0: When you're there, click on the podcast button. And if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. Lastly, the best way to keep up with our programs and trips is to join our email newsletter. And you can do that at jmbnews.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 73. It's Saturday, the 27th of July. I am seated in the God Shack. Joined by my three friends here from one side to the other, although it doesn't really matter because they can't see what order we're in. Uh, let's start with uh, Brian Manning. How you doing, Brian? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Brian hails from upstate New York. The Hudson Valley is the proprietor of Snow Walker Outdoors. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, next to Brian, we've got Darren Baird all the way from Tennessee. Yep. And Darren, you're an active uh, Instagrammer. Yeah. What's your Instagram? East Woodland Survival. Awesome. And uh, I'm not sure who this is. If it's... I can't tell if it's Blake Towsley or... Bucksaw Jenkins? Bucksaw Jenkins. (laughs) Could be either.
3: (laughs) The immortal.
0: Could be be either. (laughs) Could be either, yeah. Um, So yeah, we just wrapped up a week uh, going over traditional canoe skills of northern Maine. Um, I think we're all a little bit sore We lucked out in that we've had some ridiculously hot and humid weather this summer but this week highs in the 70s, lows in the 40s so just about the perfect week to be out on the trail I think I think it's 54 there's a certain number that when you cross it the mosquitoes go to sleep and it might be 54 degrees Fahrenheit um, but we were below that Quite a few mornings we woke up to no bugs like which is sort of sort of glorious uh, in Northern Maine in the summer. Yeah, they're pretty terrible. Absolutely. Um, and the days we didn't, the bugs were absolutely awful. <laughs> I swear yesterday, coming down the river, there was one point where at one moment I was being bit by three mosquitoes, six deer flies, and a horsefly.
3: Yeah, you're trying to come down a rip pole and then one hand's on the pole, the other one's slapping horse flies off your legs.
0: <laughs> Jeff uh, Butler has a funny story. He and I, in like 2003, we were on the Allagash, and I had a pair of overalls on, so I'm pulling down. There's a big rip, and, like, the bugs are torturing my legs, right? I had shorts on, so I was going to put on the overalls. So he says, I reach down, I pull the overalls up, and then I realize I'm about to smash into a rock, so I drop the overalls, grab the pole, and he said <laughs> it happened, like, three times. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. So thoughts on the uh, thoughts on the week, guys. What do you think about that style of, of getting around in a canoe?
2: It was different. It was, you know, like I had taken a polling class once before, but it was the, the first time and it was only an hour long class. This gave me a more appreciation of the skill, but also showed me where, you know, where I need to work. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something obviously that you're going to pick up in, you know, in a relatively short amount of time. You have to practice just like with everything. Yeah. So
0: I think I'm on record as saying it takes like 86 miles to learn how to pull a canoe and 100 to learn how to paddle it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like you get the you get the instruction, but then you know it really it, bo- it kind of boils down to miles, you know. My paddling though did improve definitely over over
2: time. Yeah, you know the the knifing J. I mean just just sliding the paddle out you know in the water in, in, with the slicing motion just is just so more efficient than. Picking the paddle up out of the water, putting it back down in, and just leaving it in the water
0: just works a lot better. Yeah, I agree. What do you think, Darren? <clears throat> I
1: I've got work to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> polling was a little. I think it's trying to get those micro adjustments because you try to overcorrect and that front end starts flipping around, or um, it's just a lot more subtle than what I thought it would be. Uh huh. And I think that was a problem that I was having was trying to get those micro adjustments. Uh, paddling definitely improved. Paddling, um, I mean, once you get into that rhythm, you know, you're just just smooth sailing pretty much. Just keeping that if you're in the in in the back, uh, just the steerage, just trying to keep that you know the front end from going side to side, which is going to be a lot less efficient than keeping it dead on. Yeah, for sure. This was your
3: first canoe trip too, really.
1: Yeah, my first one since I was probably you know a teenager. I've been a kayaker uh, prior to that. But yeah, first one really in a canoe in you know, a long time. Myself. <laughs> well,
3: <laughs> where do I start? Well, when I came to Ode East, I uh, said to myself, Bucksaw. <laughs> You need to become a canoeman. You were out west and you became a hunter and a trapper. Now you're out east, so you need to pick up that way of life. And uh, thanks to Tim Smith and Christopher, uh, I, think, uh, I think I'm think i well on my way. Uh, from uh, our first trip down the Bonnie where, uh, you know, we made it. But uh, watching a couple guys in uh, some boats with a pole just slide on by while I was dragging a 16-pound canoe and a bunch of crap in it uh, through the water. You had crap in your canoe. Oh, yeah. Big pile of it. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> yeah so uh it was uh it was real interesting uh kind of getting going through those rips and getting the feel for uh how easy it is to pull you're standing up you can see all the obstacles in your way and you can just stop at them move around them i don't know if uh, it's kind of like the game uh frogger from uh, the arcades you know what i mean you can move up move back oh, yeah. side to side yeah. that's kind of how i was seeing it in my head
0: except you're holding a pole not a joystick yeah yeah
3: um and you're the frog, yeah. as opposed to the guy controlling the frog. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> but you're con- controlling the boat.
0: It's, yeah. <laughs> when it's done right, uh, when I was a younger guy, uh, I remember watching one of the one of my mentors, um, Raymond Rizzi. Uh, we were on a low water, Allagash trip, water about like we had it here. And I just remember watching him and just, you know, it was almost like a dance. Yeah. Just seeing like, you know, he would just yep. pick his line and... He was so good at it, so adept, had so much experience. Like, he could make the canoe move mm-hmm. just by like slight movements of his hip. Yeah. So, you know, pick the, a long straight line with some micro corrections just by shifting his weight. And I remember like he'd put his pole down once and go like 200 yards. I'm slamming my pole into the rocks like every six inches, like overcorrect, overcorrect, overcorrect. And I just remember thinking like, that is that is something of beauty. And that's something that I really want to aspire to right
3: that's exactly what uh, i thought when i seen you christopher and colin doing it on the bonnie last year yeah and it's, it's nice because you're like a river otter because you're dancing in the rapids dancing
0: in the <laughs> rapids that's what river otters do. yeah that's right? what river otters do they dance, they dance, in, dance the in the, rapids. the, is that on the, the, the east side of the river though <laughs> or is that on the west side of the river Oof, you don't want to go on the west side <laughs> well, well, well the southwest anyway the southwest side of the aroostics where all those rough and tumble canoe gangs yeah <laughs> Not like the, you know, the more uh, placid, <laughs> rapid-dancing river otters. Yeah.
3: <laughs> like, they're tough, but nowhere near as tough as the so side of the river. Oh. That was gangster. You don't want to mess with them.
0: Ooh. It's uh, I always get super excited that people are interested in, in some of the traditional skills. So, you know, polling is one of those things that... Maybe it, uh, I've read, maybe it reached its epicenter in this part of the world, like Maine, New Brunswick, Quebec, because of the ecology, the rivers here, you know, in the summertime, they're real low and stony. Um, and the, the natives would go down to the coast in the summer and then pull all the way back up a couple hundred miles in the fall. And, you know, I think even just trying to go upstream like 50 yards in a good current with a paddle is hard. It's hard work, you know, with a pole, you're, it's, it. It can still be very challenging, but it's much more straightforward. And you sort of know what you're into with the pole. Um, And then, you know, with the advent of more logging roads and the outboard motor, polling just about died. You know what? Because now people drive to the put-in, you know, float down, take out. So there's never a real need or necessity to travel upstream. And with the advent of like bumper car boats, like aluminum and plastic boats where you can bang into everything... You know, it doesn't matter. You don't have to have total control. But I've run a lot of miles in my wood canvas boat. uh, And with that, you just can't smash into stuff. You know, like it's not. You know, you make the. Unfortunately. You make the joke about the modern rapid, and, you know, somebody's in like a plastic bumper car. They hit every rock on the way down, and at the end, they raise their paddle over their head and go, woo! (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, if you're in a wood canvas boat, you can't. Every rock that you hit, that's another hour on shore. You're going to be patching the thing. So, so the ability to have total control and to stop in the middle of a rapid, it just, yeah, there's just something magical about it. <coughs> Excuse me. And I think, you know, bigger picture, you know, use that as a metaphor as to why just traditional skills matter in the modern world. You know, like we didn't have cell coverage the whole trip out there, but conceivably most places that people listen to this and, and go to recreate You're plugged into the internet the whole time. You know, you can check anything and, oh, let's double check the, you know, some guy has a YouTube video on how to poll or something. And, you know, but but I think that the, uh, for me personally, and I'm not speaking for you guys, but for me personally, like, hanging on to the traditional skills and making sure that they make it to the next generation. There's something there, and I don't want to get all like, uh, you know. Cosmic cow. Yeah, or, you know. I don't want to get too foofy, but there is something about it. You know, you're sort of, uh, it's like muscle memory to the past. Mm. And I don't know if that sounds too, too out there, but it just, you know, you can sort of, when you get into that zone, when you're pulling a canoe in the woods and all that, it just feels like, yeah, you belong there. You know, there's no app for that. Right. You have to go do it. Exactly. You know, and you're not going
2: to get, that feeling from just like looking at a video and thinking, Hey, I can do that. I can do that. <laughs> and then you go out there and then you don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And but you do, but you don't do that very poorly, you know, and you
3: it's know. more than just standing in a canoe with a stick. Yeah. You know?
0: Cause that's fly fishing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think there's huge uh, kudos to you guys for, you know, for getting out and, doing it. You know, we live in this modern world where we all want to, you know, if you're engaged in these sort of traditional outdoor pastimes, um, it seems like for a lot of people it's to go car camping somewhere and, you know, sit around and talk about knives Mm. and to actually get out and, and do those traditional skills you know to just get mauled
3: by bugs yeah you're getting killed
0: by bugs it's (laughs) hot you know you're banging into rocks and smashing your shins on the just the tax you pay
3: for being in the outdoors
0: right but it's not all like oh sweet new knife new ferro rod like look look at this new piece of gear no like in the real world you get out and you do it and there's there's sweat there's bug bites Occasionally blood, a lot of tears, a lot of cheap <laughs>, laughs. You always have to report to the admiral. Yeah.
3: You don't want, yeah, you don't <laughs> want to be late for duty if the admiral's <laughs> around.
0: Yeah. He'll make you pay. <laughs>
3: that poor tater-raising man.
2: Geez.
0: Yeah, I oh. entertain the guys in camp with little Dick Curlis, tater-raising man. Which, if you're from the Greater Ashland area, for a number of years at Freem's Bar and Grill back in the day, I used to sing it a cappella on karaoke <laughs> on Labor Day weekend.
1: <laughs> and your cousin Cletus would show up, right?
0: <sighs> yeah, Cletus uh, Cletus made the rounds last night. Oof, uh, he sure did. Yeah. <laughs> That's a scary dude. Let me tell you, he's an interesting guy. But you know, he doesn't really have anywhere else to go. He He got laid off from Gill's Tire down on Route 189 in Live Oak, Florida a number of years back. Now he just kind of lives down in that old mine shaft on the back corner of the property. We call it Cletus's Dungeon. You don't want to go over there after dark. No one knows what's going on.
1: Justin Bieber books disappear, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, So yeah, we have two in our library cabin here. We have two irreplaceable books. Number one. The Justin Bieber biography, and number two is Out of Sync uh, by Lance Bass. Um, irreplaceable, <laughs> irreplaceable. <laughs> two two awesome books we got at the thrift shop in town. They're uh, in a gun
3: cabinet, locked away, yeah, with a special key,
0: special key. People, if you're gonna re- try to look at those books, I demand uh, rubber gloves yeah. or satin gloves, and you have to like hand in like a hundred dollar deposit and a photo ID,
1: a credit card. Exactly. Uh, You're talking about the traditional stuff. You know, there were several times just floating down the river, and just kind of imagining what it was like 200 years ago, 400 years ago, you know, first people to come through this area, you know. Um, and then even thinking back traditional, you know, the, the natives floating down through there and uh, pulling up and just kind of gives you a lot of awe, you know, in the area.
2: It was their highway. Right. It was their highway. It was their trade routes and everything else. So it was, you know, you take a look at, like, Route 95 going through Maine, but, you know, the rivers were their routes. That was their highways. Definitely. So you you try to equate it, and like you said, you're you're trying to keep these skills alive. I mean, <clears throat> you know, I'm trying to introduce my grandson, who's five now, into these skills because I don't want him to be wrapped up in playing electronics his entire, you know, childhood Mm -hmm. he should be outside he should be getting dirty you know there's there's no reason for him to be you know playing on a laptop or you know an ipad
0: for hours at a time you know yes you say you're talking about the uh you know the rivers were the highways the aroostook river that we are on the headwaters of it there were two big sources of nappable stone in northern maine that the natives used one was at the very headwaters of the aroostook um by Munsungan Lake, Munsungan Ridge. They have a whole bunch of pits that they've uh, dug up so the natives would mine this stone and then take it downriver and disperse it all over the place. The other being Kineo Island in the middle of Moosehead Lake, a huge exposed uh, cliff where they would go out in their boats and load the stone in. But the uh, friend of mine, um, Bernie Howes, who lives in Ashland, grew up here, is the curator of the Ashland Logging Museum he has a long-running, lifelong habit of in the spring he'll go and walk the side of the river along the gravel bars, looking for uh, arrowheads, atlatl points, things like that. And a, a while back, he told me he found a very uh, uh, arrowhead made out of very particular-looking stone. So he researched that stone, and apparently it only <clears throat> only comes from one location, and that location is coastal northern Labrador. So you think that, how did that thing get here? And you think, you know, there must have been these vast trade routes. That's a long way from here, right? But it's not too hard for us to get to the St. Lawrence, like down the Aroostook, up the Little Machias, carry into Portage Lake, down the Fish River to the St. John, up the St. John, up the St. Francis, over into the Wolf River, and then we're down, you know, so from here to the St. Lawrence, maybe three miles of overland travel. Um, and then from there, you know, you could hug the North Shore, the St. Lawrence, all the way up onto the coastal Labrador. But you think about these just massively huge trade routes. And, and we tend to not think of that, right? I mean, when I was a kid and they were talking about native peoples, you know, they said if it was... You know, what the, the pilgrims showed up in 1620 and in 1619 everybody's living in caves and you know banging two bones together wearing like a leopard print singlet. and Ah uh, the
3: North American leopard long long extinct.
0: <laughs> I mean it just flat out wasn't the case right like very sophisticated people huge trade routes amazingly sea amazing sea going vessels um, but yeah the rivers were the trade routes and all, all you have to do just try to walk through the woods here yeah. and you're like, this is awful. Is there any other way to move all this stuff? And, right. and that the beauty of the canoe, you know, a bigger canoe like the ones we have, a bigger freight canoe, uh, one guy with a bit of skill can move a thousand pounds of stuff. Right? So for three seasons that's how you can move your stuff. And then in the wintertime on a toboggan, one guy can, can should be able to haul his own weight, so much less capacity in the winter, but still pretty significant, compared to putting a pack on your back and wandering through the woods. Right? Uh if only because maybe you get stuck in like a like a sixty mile long swamp and that's awful. Yeah. <laughs> breeding ground of the northern, the rare elusive northern mosquito. <laughs> not too rare in
3: these parts though. Not too rare at all. Yeah, not this week. Seems like the horse flies were worse though.
2: They yeah. were bad yesterday. They were definitely bad yesterday when we were out when we were practicing. Yeah. Going up on that rip. They they were hellacious.
1: Well we had a graveyard in the canoe. I mean, yeah. Corpses. All my corpses were in the canoe. <laughs> and they're so not deterred, right? Like no, if, no. If
0: I went somewhere, like if I went to the bar in town to get some a beer and some chicken wings and there's 900 dead human bodies on the mm-hmm. floor, maybe I won't go there. But horse flies, they don't care. Even about. if
3: someone's like smacked you around a little bit, you're just like, ah, I'm going back.
0: Yeah. yeah. I'm going back. Going back. We're recording. Come on in. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, (laughs) someday I'm going to write that book, The Many Seasons of Insects in Northern Maine, Mm -hmm. right? Because you get to start with the black flies, and then the no seams come out, and then the mosquitoes, and now we're right into horsefly, deer fly season. And it's pretty glorious, you know? I I miss those guys. You don't see them all winter. You know, you're out in a winter camp, and you're like, you know what would make this more homey? Is that there was 800 horseflies buzzing around. Mm. I think, you know, the reason that I have, I don't think they're really affected by the cold, because they're pretty rugged. But I think in the wintertime, when we're wearing all those layers, they're like, "Oh, I can't get anything to eat here. Let's just stay in bed." I thought they flew down south. Do they? I Did think so. They migrate. So. Yeah, <laughs> that would be that would the be the great horsefly migration. migration. The
2: <laughs>
0: I see, uh, like a like a Disco- old school Discovery Channel documentary about it. Like some guy gets one of those powered hang gliders and flies. Yeah, with horse exactly. <laughs> One has a broken wing. Then yeah. he raises it. He raises a whole litter. <laughs> and then they fly next to him. Yeah. yeah. yeah, That'd be great. I named him Buzzy. <laughs> and we fixed his wing. <laughs> fly and be free. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, so any last thoughts uh, on the week? It
3: was just a great trip. Anyone that has the chance to come up here probably should if they yeah, want to learn how to absolutely. canoe. To be a proper canoe man. Because I think without... Uh, Polling and lining you can't really consider yourself a canoeman if no matter how good of a paddler you are
0: yeah I would agree I think it, it makes you more versatile and uh, able to solve problems in a remote area like uh, I think if you're gonna do any any sort of solo paddling in remote areas yeah you better have your paddling you better have your poling you better have your lining um, At least that's yeah. what's probably saved me numerous times on solo trips. I think the first time I ran the Bonaventure on, in the canyon on the ledges, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> like if I had to, uh, there's, I mean, you can't carry. No. But there's no way to carry. You're in a canyon, you know, and paddling it, you're probably going to dump your boat yeah. depending on the water level and lose all your gear. And, you know, if you're alone in a remote place, that that's bad. Uh, so, yeah, being able to line there. but and, and I think, too, having a bit of experience with each each of the little disciplines so that you can make good decisions like coming up, well, what are we going to do here? Yeah, where you, you don't have
3: so. to paddle if you don't have to.
0: Right,
1: yeah. So, yeah, agreed. Agreed on that 100%. Yeah, you you got to come to something like this in order to really uh, get those skills and have somebody that knows what they're doing uh, show you what you're Was doing Was that person wrong. here
0: this week? Where, where did he go? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think he's in that mine shaft down there. I think the uh, Admiral took him and he hasn't been back since... <laughs> But, yeah, you know, that's with any skill. I think, you know, read it, read about it, watch it on YouTube, whatever. You're not going to get all those little fine micro, uh, oh, yeah, this is what you're doing wrong, you know. Yeah. Until you actually have somebody that knows what they're doing to uh, to show you what you're doing wrong. And that helps tremendously. And there's some really good memories on the river that there's one. When where... I had my shirt off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was really good. Yeah. <laughs> Um, There's some really good memories you know just uh, Brian and I got hung up between two rocks and uh, it was like perfect balancing act <laughs> uh, you know I mean we're within organized chaos <laughs> We're within I mean a quarter inch of being swamped and we balance that thing out and it was just like perfect magic. You know, we should have never been in that position to begin with. <laughs> yeah, but... It happened. Once we got into the situation, you know, we clicked really well together and got out of that thing in just a few seconds. Yeah. And uh, no, didn't get wet the entire weekend, so...
0: Nice. Like, so, you,
1: you know,
2: like, you talk about it, like, the, you know, we, we, we do. We bash YouTube or we bash Instagram or whatever or what... I think we're, you, you know, know, equal opportunity bashing. Yes. Right. You know, so... But, but, again, the thing is, is, like, you can... You can read a hundred books, and there's several, I mean like really, really good books. We talked about Garrett's book, uh, Beyond the Paddle.
0: Yeah, Garrett Conover's book, Beyond the Paddle, if you're going to you know, get a book on polling, traditional canoe stuff, what an awesome book, awesome guy, No, hard uh, to find book, but get a copy of that. Right. And and you, and you can read that, you can watch it, but you know what's never going to
2: happen? You're never going to have that example of what Darren just said. You're never going to have that example of being hung up on two rocks. You can you can go through all that. You, I've read that book. I've read that book several times. There is nowhere in there that has a chapter that says this is what you do to get out of two rocks and you're pivoting. You know, you have to experience it. And and although we were I don't want to say that we were always in a controlled atmosphere to learn, but there were controlled atmospheres and then there there isn't controlled atmospheres, but that's why you need to come to a class like this here. You know, you have the experience. You're imparting your knowledge to us and you help us. And now we can build off of that. And then, you know, everything is a learning
0: process. Now, if
2: you
3: go back to that book, you can understand better. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we do bash a lot of the modern social media, but it's awesome to get you inspired. Yes. But in order to really appreciate it really learn something you got to get out and do it you know and and whether it's a whether it's a course whether it's you know fooling around on your local local river you know they both are good experiences but i think I, i think my major critique with the modern world is someone will see something once and then think that they know how to do it like but they have no muscle memory they have no experience with it and this is where you know my big gripe with uh reality tv you know someone You see somebody, they've seen these people do bow drills in remote situations over and over and over, but if they haven't done it, like there's no way that you could replicate that, you know, Uh, bow drill as an example, but you know, as a, as a metaphor for any sort of high, high, uh, high skill, low tech traditional outdoor skills endeavor. but yeah, agreed, and and I think you know one of the the other thing that's sort of overlooked is just the the fun we, the fun you have when you go out with a group of like minded individuals, right? Yeah. I think yeah, I, I laughed all week. a yeah. lot, of, <laughs> lot of good cheap laughs. <laughs> <A> cheap laughs, laugh, real cheap. Um, Absolutely. And that's you know that's that's pretty fun as well. That's pretty awesome. Um, so I guess the only other thing to mention is that we are now after a long. Uh, lead up. We're now taking reservations for the Brush Fire Rendezvous. October, is it 11, 12, 13? 10, 11, 12?
3: I just yeah. know it's Canadian Thanksgiving.
0: Okay. Columbus Day weekend here. Um, and we should note that uh, um, this is not a family friendly event, right? Yeah. We're going to get a 55 gallon barrel of lard. We're going to do leg wrestling. Okay. And- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so if you're interested in traditional skills and, and uh meeting like minded individuals. Yeah. And having a few good cheap laughs around the fire. That's that's sort of the goal of what we're doing. It won't be a big every minute is organized uh course, but you know, the idea is if somebody comes up and say there's a young person really interested in pulling a canoe, we'll throw a boat in the river and fart around with that for an hour, or making a bow drill fire or all those things. But you know, it won't be uh organized classes so to speak but just you know a lot of people interested in similar things spending some time together in the woods and lots of cheap laughs yeah and really good food we're going to definitely have like kind of food competitions we've got a couple of people already vying for the liberty cabbage Mm -hmm. title uh freedom water (laughs) you know all these all these traditional foods of the woods and we'll see how it ends up so Uh, So I guess we'll wrap it up. Thanks, guys, for for coming up for the week and being on the podcast. Um, Thanks for having
3: me. Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Great to great to know you. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review wherever you listen to them or share it with somebody. And thank you very much for listening. And we'll hit you back later. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.